0: The tour content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneewise, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. I am recording this on the last day of Cholhamot Pesach, on Erev Shevi'i Shal-Pesach, and I would like to make an episode that is kind of a continuation of the previous episode— Uh, Not necessary to listen to the previous episode, but if you haven't listened to it yet, then uh, you'll benefit more by listening to that episode first, because I'm going to reference the ideas. Okay, so I was thinking about the themes of uh, gratitude and the differences between Stoicism and Judaism on that theme, something that I've spoken about a lot. And I encountered a letter of Seneca that I hadn't read before. And I'm not going to read the whole thing now. I'm just going to read enough to give you uh, the gist because I have a particular agenda. So the letter is number 73. The subtitle in the Tim Ferriss edition is On Philosophers and Kings. So Seneca writes as follows. Hence, those who are greatly profited as regards their purpose of right living by the security of the state must needs cherish as a father the author of this good. Much more so, at any rate, than those restless persons who are always in the public eye, who owe much to the ruler, but also expect much from him, and are never so generously loaded with favors that their cravings, which grow by being supplied, are thoroughly satisfied. And yet he whose thoughts are of benefits to come has forgotten the benefits received. And there is no greater evil in covetousness than its ingratitude. Let me pause for a second just to summarize here. So he's saying that there are certain people who are recipients of a great amount of good from the state, And what they should do is they should have gratitude towards the author of those goods, which he's going to talk about later on, but instead what happens is the fact that their goods are given to them just makes them even more covetous, and they are filled with ingratitude because they just want even more. Okay, then he goes on, he says, Besides, no man in public life thinks of the many whom he has outstripped. He thinks rather of those by whom he is outstripped. And these men find it less pleasing to see many behind them than annoying to see anyone in, ahead of them. That is the trouble with every sort of ambition. It does not look back. Okay, so again, once more, he, he's talking about how the people who get what they want tend to only look back forward at those who have more than they do and uh, and they don't look back and see how much they've been given. Okay then he goes on and he talks about the uh, the attitude of gratitude that, that the philosopher should cultivate towards the the heads of the state who distribute these public goods and who make it possible for for them to attain the success that they have. Um, I'll I'll read a little bit of that. He says, therefore, uh, and then he starts to transition to how the philosopher relates to these goods. He says, therefore, the philosopher thinks of the person who makes it possible for him to use and enjoy these things, of the person who exempts him when the state's dire need summons to arms, to sentry duty, to the defense of the walls, and to the manifold exactions of war, and he gives thanks to the helmsman of his state. This is what philosophy teaches most of all, honorably to avow the debt of benefits received and honorably to pay them. Sometimes, however, the acknowledgement itself constitutes payment. And then he goes and he transitions into talking about thanking not only the human heads of the states, but, uh, well, for, you know, the, for Seneca, uh, for the gods, okay? Or for, for, he talks about Jupiter, all right? Uh, and he talks about his attitude towards thanking Jupiter, which I'm not going to get into now. The thing that caught my eye about this was that last statement. He says, um, this is what philosophy teaches most of all, honorably to avow the debt of benefits received and honorably to pay them. Okay, and then writing sometimes, however, the acknowledgment itself constitutes payment. So this idea of of ah uh, of honoring the debts, okay, and recognizing that there is a debt that you incur from being a recipient of such good, and that you should repay it at the very least by giving thanks. All right. So the reason I was thinking about this is because we have been saying Hallel for the last uh, six days uh, and some nights, <laughs> um, and there is a reference to vows as a means of of, or as an instrument of giving thanks to Hashem, okay so this is in Tehillim Kuftez Zion, Psalms 116 which we many of us think of uh, as its own unit starting with Ma'ashiv Lashem because uh, when we do half halal we start from there but uh, really there's an entire chapter but we're just going to read the second half of it, okay and I'm going to read it in English here, he says How can I repay Hashem for all His bounty to me? I raise the cup of salvations, and the name of Hashem I will invoke. My vows to Hashem I will pay, in the presence now of His entire people. Difficult in the eyes of Hashem is the death of His devout ones. Please Hashem, for I am your servant, I am your servant son of your handmaid, you have released my bonds. To you I will sacrifice a thanksgiving offering, and the name of Hashem I will call. My vows to Hashem I will pay, in the presence now of His entire people in the courtyards of the house of Hashem, in your midst, O Jerusalem, hallelujah. So, the question here is, what is this idea of of, of vows, okay? Of my vows to Hashem, I will pay in the presence now of his entire people. Now, I gave shir on this, I gave sheer on all of halal in 2021, uh, and I did not go back and listen to the idea, but this is one of the ideas that has stuck with me. And the idea is, using vows in a time of distress as, a, uh, as an instrument of locking in future gratitude, okay? And I think this idea was inspired, if I look at my notes, by the Radak, okay? I'm just going to read the Radak's commentary on uh, a couple of these pesukim here. So he says, Ma'ashiv what? Can, uh, how can I uh, repay to Hashem? So he says, Ma'gumul o mam mincha what, ucha al kol What recompense or what tribute am I able to repay him with for all the good that he did to me? Kol tagmulohi alai, all of my bounty is, um, uh, all, uh, sorry, kol tagmulohi alai, for all of his bounty upon me, to me. Kol tagmulav shigamalani hem alai, all of the, the good that he has bestowed to me is upon me. Lahashiv Knegdan imukha, to pay back if I am able to. Kilohaya bi shahaya alav la'asos limash I didn't have any merit uh That such that he would do to, for me all of these good things that he did. Elah kol chesed mito. Everything is kindness for him. Kamosh amar Yaakov, as Yaakov Avinu said in Bereishis Lamed Beizayit Aleph in Genesis thirty two eleven. Katonti mikol ha'chassidim umikol ha'emes ha'sherasis I'm diminished or I'm too small for all of the kindnesses and all of the faithfulness that you've done to your servant. So in other words, this first step is to recognize that I did not deserve any of this, okay? And that's, that is the foundation of the gratitude is to realize, you know, if you view this as something that was owed to you, then you're not going to be grateful for it. Uh, in fact, you're going to be ungrateful if you don't get what you feel that you're owed. But if you recognize that you have, you don't, God doesn't owe you any of this and you have no merit, and yet he still gives you all of this, then that's an amazing thing. Okay then he goes on Kosi I will lift the cup of salvations Klomar this is still the radak kish when I make a uh, a feast and a celebration arim koshayain the odenu alav bifnei rabim I will raise my cup of wine and I will give thanks over it in front of many people the ezkor and I will uh, recall the salvation that you saved me with Uhoso a kos you cry And this cup is called the cup of salvation. Uh shem ekra, and I will call in the name of Hashem, Kamosha Hayisi Ose Besatzara, just as I did in the time of distress. Tsara Vyogon Emta Uvshemashem Ekra Kin uh Beeshaharvacha Kosy Shuos Esa Uvishemashem Ekra. Just as I said in the time of distress that uh misfortune and uh and uh another word for misfortune, Yagon, um, you know, suffering have uh Suffering and misfortune uh, I have found, and in the name of Hashem I called out. So too, at the time of relief, I will lift the cup of salvation, and I will call in the name of Hashem. Okay, so he's tying this back to, he's saying that just as he called out Hashem in the time of distress, so too he's going to call out to Hashem in gratitude at a time of salvation. Okay, and one more thing, and then I'll summarize the idea. My my vows to Hashem I will pay. shnadarti. The vows that I made when I was fleeing and exiled, uh, I made v- these vows, saying if God will return me to my house, uh, these vows are the ones that I will pay now in front of all of his people. So you see this theme here, that David Melik is talking, uh, he's saying this at a time of, of distress, and he's saying that I'm calling out to Hashem, and I'm saying now, in my time of distress, that that I'm making vows, and I will repay them to Hashem, and I will do so in public, right? Because he says, in the courtyards of the house of Hashem, in your midst O Jerusalem, hallelujah. Um, uh, or he says, my vows to Hashem I will pay in the presence now of his entire people. So he's saying that I'm I'm going to make these vows in a time of distress and call out to Hashem, and I will repay them, and I'll do so publicly, and I'll do so with uh, amid a celebration, uh, raising my cup and giving public thanks to Hashem. So the question is, what is this idea here? What is this idea of, 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 you know, in a time of distress, telling Hashem that you're going to make vows and that you're going to repay them publicly? So if I recall, okay, and this is, the, this is the version of the idea that I remember. If you want to go back and listen to the shir that I gave in 2021 and then tell me if I'm wrong, then you're welcome to do so. Uh, but the idea that I recall is that that there is a danger that when you are in a situation of distress, then you'll, you'll turn to Hashem, but then, when you get saved, you're going to forget it, okay? And you're going to you're going to forget it. You're going to downplay it, or you're going to attribute your success to your own uh, your own uh, might and power, uh, or you're going to just be so blinded by the craving for more that you're not going to look back, like Seneca was talking about. I, I still think that the best passage in the Torah that really expresses this is the passage where we learn the obligation of in Devarim Ches, yud through yud ches uh, in Deuteronomy 8, uh, verses 10 through 18, which begins with, I'll uh, we'll begin with, you will eat and you will be satisfied and you will bless Hashem your God for the good of the land that he gave you. So that's the right approach. But then he goes, Moshe Rabbeinu goes and talks about the wrong approach. Take care lest you eat and be satisfied and you build good houses and settle and your cattle and sheep and goats increase and you increase silver and gold for yourselves and everything that you have will increase. And your heart will become haughty and you will forget Hashem, your God, who took you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery, who leads you through the great and awesome wilderness of snake, fiery serpent and scorpion and thirst where there is no water, who brings forth water from the rock of flint. And then here's the line. And here's the And yadi asali the hazeh. And you will say in your heart, My ability, my ability and the might of my own hand made me all this wealth. The as Hashem you shall remember Hashem your God, that it is he who gives you the ability to make wealth. In order to establish his covenant that he swore to your forefathers as this day. So that's the danger. The danger is that you're gonna be in the situation of of you're gonna go through this whole long situation of lack and distress and threats to your life. And you're going to cry out to Hashem in, uh, in uh, for for salvation. But then, when you get saved and you get and and He gives you all of this good, you're you're going to forget Him and you're going to attribute all of this to yourself, uh, despite the fact that you went through all of this, uh, uh the, the you know the, these life-threatening situations. So, so that I believe is where the vow comes in. Is that if you're in a situation of distress, and you you call out to Hashem, then it is a wise strategy to make a vow that if Hashem saves you, then you will repay Him and you'll do so publicly, okay? And this is not the, the, the primitive thing of like making a deal with God, uh, you know, that 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 a lot of people are tempted to do. No, this is an instrument of perfection, okay? That, that because of the human tendency to downplay what Hashem does for you, if you lock it in now in the situation of distress and make a legal obligation to to publicly acknowledge Hashem when you are saved, so then it will ensure that you're actually going to follow through with it and and emerge with that gratitude intact or at least be able to re, to summon it up again when you make this public declaration. Uh, uh, and that that's why David and Melech also uh, puts the emphasis on, on the first of all, that's why he puts the emphasis on the parallel. He's saying, just like I called God, called to God at the time of my distress, so too I'm going to give public thanks to God at the time of my salvation, and that's why he puts the emphasis on doing so publicly at a celebration. Um, I uh, I wrote a an article on my Substack for Parsha Sav about the Korban Toda, which also expresses this idea that the I'll just summarize it here that the Korban Toda is uh, unique in at least three ways. Uh, One is that, so first of all, you you bring a corbantota when you're in a life-threatening situation and you're saved. Uh, This is a Thanksgiving offering, by the way. And uh, what you do is you bring, uh, ideally, you bring 40 loaves of bread, okay, Uh, of four types, all right? So there's 10 loaves of, of regular mata, 10 loaves of thin mata, 10 loaves of of like uh, oil fried matzah and then ten loaves of chametz, okay, of leavened bread, uh, and so that's that's so that's one uh, odd thing is that you're bringing a ton of bread, okay, and uh, it's odd that you bring chametz because there's only one other offering that you bring chametz for and that's the communal offering of the sheteh on uh shavuos the two loaves so it's weird that you have chametz along with the matzah and then the third thing is that ordinarily for shlamin for uh, peace offerings which uh, korban todah which a thanksgiving offering is is in the category of then you have a full day and night and then the following day to consume everything here you only have the day, the remainder of the day that you brought it, and then the night. Uh, you have to finish all of this by that time. Uh, and m- rabbinically, you have to finish it by midnight, okay? So let's say, like, I bring a todah in the afternoon. So I've got, like, a couple hours in the day and then the night to finish it. So the question is, what, what's with all these anomalies? So the Sforno explains uh, that... The reason why you bring chametz is because chametz is analogous, uh, is likened by Chazal, by the sages, to the hara, uh, the leviting in the dough. Okay, and you have to realize that the reason why you were in the situation of of uh, a life-threatening situation that you were saved from is because of your own yitzharah, because of your own uh, uh, sinful animalistic inclination, and that. That recognition has to be present when you give thanks to Hashem. You have to recognize that God saved you despite your your lack of deservedness. That's what we say nowadays in Birkas Hagomel, in the blessing that we say when we're saved. We say, Hag Melech blessed Hashem, our God, King of the Universe. Hagomel lechayavim tovos, kol tov, the one who bestows good to those who are liable and who has bestowed all good unto me." In other words, you thank God for giving you all this good despite the fact that you're liable. So you bring chametz. Uh, which represents the Yitzharah with your korban toda to recognize that it it's true that God saved me uh, and that's why I uh, I you know I bring more matzah than chametz matzah being presumably uh, symbolic of of redemption uh, like we do on Pesach uh, but I recognize that it was my own lack of deservedness that that got me into the situation and God saved me despite my lack of deservedness. so that explains the chametz there uh, and then the reason for the short timeline and for the the forty loaves is because. Uh, it will, uh, if you follow this procedure, it will force you to make a huge meal with lots and lots of people. And since they know that you're making this meal on occasion of your salvation and giving thanks to God, so then you'll publicly recount uh, at the meal uh, your your words of of, of thanks to, to God. Okay, so, uh, so that's another similar institution here. But going back to my original theme, um, then uh, it is uh, basically the use of a, of making a vow to Hashem at the time when you're in a situation of distress is to ensure that you will will not fall into this trap of forgetting Hashem when you're saved. But to the contrary, you will you'll make it a point to thank Hashem publicly, and you'll you'll keep that perspective of uh, of recognizing God's uh, God's kindness that He's done to you. Now, the reason why I want to make this episode now is because uh, over over the first days of Pesach, I read a, uh, I read the book that I quoted last time. Okay, sorry, I got interrupted. Um, I don't remember what I was just saying, so I'm going to try to recall this now. So uh, the reason why I was thinking about this idea in the first place was because over Pesach, uh, over the first days of Pesach, I read the full book by Rabbi Sinai Adler, your Rod and Your Staff: A Young Man's Chronicle of Survival, uh, where he talks about his experiences in various concentration camps uh, as a teenager. And what makes this book unique is that it is a book about—I uh, don't know—not un- totally unique, but but unlike anything I've ever read—is that it's a book about uh, uh, someone who remains an Orthodox Jew throughout his uh, throughout the Holocaust. So, in on page eighty-nine, when he arrives at Mauthausen, going uh, from Auschwitz, I believe. Then he, he says, uh, so they arrive at the camp, and he says, When we realized that we had been led directly in front of the crematorium building, we became exceedingly tense, our anxieties mounting by the moment. As we were grappling with our fears, we were given a demonstration by the SS guards of how they punish inmates without cause. As I stood there motionless, my lips uttered a silent, fervent prayer from the depths of my soul God save me. Through the natural course of events, the worst seemed inevitable, and given the circumstances, there was little doubt that our end was near. But I still retained the hope that my prayers would be answered. During those critical moments, which seemed to me to be the most fateful ones in my life, I made an oath. If God will save me from this calamitous situation and bring me to the land of Israel, where I can reunite with my only brother, then I will dedicate my whole life to the learning and teaching of the Holy Torah and to the observance of God's commandments. Okay, so that's exactly what we've been talking about here. And, thank God... Uh, this is what happened is that he was uh he despite going through hell he was saved and uh and eventually uh returned uh before israel returned to uh, to um prague and then eventually uh, england i believe and then he says uh, on page one seventeen, I realized that I must take advantage of the divinely bestowed gift of life in order to fulfill the vow that I had made at my time of distress to devote my whole life to the learning of God's Torah and to sanctify His name through the performance of the commandments. I understood that the natural place for me to fulfill my vow was in the land of Israel, where my only brother Matiz Yahu also lived. And he went and he lived a life of fulfilling of fulfilling mitzvot and teaching Torah, and uh, and publicly talking about his salvation. Uh, from uh, from the Holocaust by Hashem, uh which is why he wrote uh, this memoir in the first place. So he, um, uh, so this was a, a great example of someone who actually did this in one of the worst uh, situations that uh, that that we faced. So um, I, uh, again, uh, you know, uh, hopefully uh, none of us ever have to be in a situation like that. But I'd say that even in situations that are far far more minor, when you're in any situation of distress. Then, if you can make a again, we 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 don't take vows lightly, but if you if you do this, it can be a powerful instrument of of ensuring that you actually do thank God. And not only that, now I'm remembering some of the other ideas, you know, we maintain, excuse me, we maintain that uh, that God relates to us based on on our merit, uh, and making a vow to publicly thank God. When you're in a situation of distress, is an act of avoda. It's an act of divine service, which will also increase your merit, which will help you to clarify your your uh, your perception of the truth, and align your emotions uh, with with that truth. And that itself will make you more worthy of salvation. And not only that, but if you look back at that end of the that passage of, of Devarim that I read, he says, uh, then you shall remember Hashem your God, that it is he who gives you the ability to make wealth in order to establish his covenant that he swore to your forefathers as this day. So in other words, what you're doing also is you are you are explicitly making a... Uh, a decision to utilize the salvation that God provides for you in order to engage in service of God by fulfilling the vow and by publicly thanking him. So it really is a perfect tool for for um for turning to God at a time of distress. And <laughs> to close it out, I went back and I looked through some of Seneca's letters to see what his attitude towards vows is and I don't claim uh that what I'm about to say is representative of the Stoic position on vows. Uh, as a whole, because uh, I, I, I don't really know what their position on vows is, but I did find this excerpt from Letter Number Thirty-One, uh, subtitle on Siren Songs, where he says, "What need is there of vows? Make yourself happy through your own efforts. You can do this if once you comprehend that whatever is blended with virtue is good, and that whatever is joined to vice is bad." So, you know, here again we have an example of what I talked about in the previous episode, where, where. Ah Stoics have a lot of good ideas. Again, Seneca started off by talking about these ideas of gratitude and by turning to god and and uh, and not having ingratitude. Yet when it comes to the instruments of 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 perfection, of you know ensuring that you're going to stick with these values, he's a little dismissive of uh, of vows. Like, oh, why do you need vows? Well, the answer is because you're a human being and you have emotions. And whatever tools you you can use to ensure that you're going to stay on track, uh, are good and and thank God the Torah gives us these tools to use. So uh, I think this is just another example to add to the very long list of of missed opportunities of, of uh, and and not not just missed opportunities. Well, for the Stoics it's missed opportunities, and for us it's 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 opportunities to be grateful to Hashem for the fact that we have the system of mitzvot to ensure that we're kept on the right track. Uh, and, uh, that is what I have to say about that for now. Okay. So, uh, that is it for today's episode. If you gain gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Alternatively, if you'd like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Tor Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss and my Zelle and PayPal are MattSchneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested, interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor you can reach me at rabashnaywes@gmail.com thank you to my listeners for listening thank you to my readers for reading and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make tor ideas available and accessible to everyone